0: restaurant unstoppable episode 346 not 345 i may have said that a couple times in this episode i'm sorry it's 346 my bad just while you
1: were setting up one of the uh staff came up and he pointed out some uh a spot in the menu where he thinks uh you've got three different choices but people are a little bit confused about they think that you get two of the things, but then maybe, and then the other thing is an option. It's just it's a little muddled. Yeah. And he pointed it out. I said, write it down just exactly the way that, that you think it should read so yeah. that people, it's clear. And we'll, next time we print the menu, we'll, we'll pop it in there.
0: Are you ready for It Factors? Success Stories Hey, guys, would you like to know the exact marketing strategy a restaurant owner used to generate over $36,000 in sales from just $400 in Facebook ads? Would you like to know how a bar owner doubled her Tuesday night business in just four weeks for just $50 a week? Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy of the industry's number one selling marketing and promotion book bar and restaurant success. This book reveals the step-by-step marketing plan that created these results so you can apply them in your own business. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Moses Sabina. Moses, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I always
1: say after 11 years of living my dream job, yes, I am feeling unstoppable (laughs) today
0: glad to hear it so in 2004 Moses Sabina joined his brother brother You got me saying brother after Hot Supper. Um, Brother Alec and they embarked on a gastronomic tour, eating their way across America's finest dinner, barbecue fests, soul food joints, and fish fries. Their goal was to learn how a good neighborhood restaurant becomes a food institution. Today, Moses and his brother have spent the past decade practicing what they've learned with their restaurant, Hot Supper, located in Portland, Maine, Obviously, this is just scratching the surface. Uh, we're going to dive deeper into finding out how you got to where you are today. But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra.
1: Take it away. I think we always look at things here, and and we say, um, you know, it can always be better. Okay. And how how can it be better? And and it can be the smallest thing, like the the way you serve honey to a guest, or the way you arrange condiments on the table to. Um, you know, your current refrigeration situation or, you know, how you make schedules or every part of the business can
0: always be better. How has that impacted your operation? Like from having that mentality early on to where you are now, how is that mentality of always being better helped you? It gives
1: us a sense of constantly moving forward, um, you know, in in the way that sharks keep swimming when they <laughs> sleep. Um, but f- for, for me having worked in many restaurants before I owned this place, I would get frustrated with things that became stagnant and issues that continued on and weren't being addressed, uh, even if you brought them up to ownership. Um, And I never wanted to have a place that was like that. And, And I think that people who work here enjoy being a part of the process of continually making things better, making the operation better, making the guest experience better. I love it. it. A better place
0: to work. Oh, that's great, man. And um, I'm curious. Uh, let's dive into what your vision, like what your mission with Hot Suppa is. Like, paint the picture for us, real quick, in a couple of sentences. Um, to to be a restaurant that's an institution and also a neighborhood restaurant. Awesome. So that's- and you're doing it, man. Uh, you guys are killing it. So uh, I'm kind of, like. Let's go back to where it all started. Uh, I was doing my research on you, and I was kind of scratching my head a little bit because I couldn't find much about how you got into the industry. And I'm really curious, uh, wh- when did you get into the industry? I,
1: I went to college in Tennessee Okay, at uh, the University of the South. I was there for four years. It's about 45 minutes south of Nashville, between okay. Nashville and Chattanooga. And during that time, I traveled around the South and um, I was introduced to Southern food. I fell in love with it. Um, after in college, I started cooking in, uh, an independent pizza place. And then I cooked at a couple of pizza places in Rhode Island, uh, around Providence. Um, after college, I moved to Ithaca, New York, continued cooking, uh, again in pizza. And then, and then I was a dishwasher prep cook. And then I, and then I was a uh, line cook, kitchen manager, um, and the the best thing to do in Ithaca if you're a cook is to work at the hotel school. Yeah, it's the biggest opportunity there, and so I got to work at the hotel school for about two and a half years.
0: So when did you know? I mean, like you went to uh, school in the South Tennessee, that's where you fell in love with the southern yeah. f- cooking. I'm assuming. Um, But was there a moment in time where you're like, wow, man, I'm really into this. And I'm curious, what were you studying? Did you mention what you were studying? I was studying... uh, I graduated with a
1: degree in English and Latin. Okay.
0: Uh, So English, Latin, Latin, uh, somewhere along the line, uh, you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to use any of that. (laughs) Right. So what did it for you? Like, when did you find this direction? Um, It was a little bit after working for the independent... I always
1: worked at independent restaurants. And I, I really liked my bosses. I looked at their lives and what they did and... Um, I, I sort of gravitate to it. Um, what is it about
0: The Independent that makes you gravitate towards it?
1: I mean, the, you know, I said that, that one of my best working experiences was was at the hotel, at the Statler, at, at Cornell. And it was also one of the the eye-openers. Is that I don't want anything to do with corporate. Okay. That kind Why? of... But, like a hotel has more red tape has more bureaucracy mm-hmm. just because of the how much structure it has to have yep. and the hierarchy and uh the way that decisions get made and um uh I like being able to fix things and address things yeah. in a more personal manner in a in a much more um efficient manner um and that that's the part of corporate that, yeah. you know, I think the systems of corporate are a great thing to learn. Yep, if absolutely. you were go be in it and see it and say that, you know, we take, uh, temp readings on all of the fridge units twice a day or yeah. three times a day. They, they have great systems like that. Their portion control, their cost control, um, But there's there's sort of an inhuman element to it also um, that I can't stomach.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. And I think it's great. The the world we live in today, we all have access to the information and and understanding why systems, processes, procedures are so important. And the big guys figured it out. Um, But we can implement all those lessons on a small scale now. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I want to do this podcast is to teach people like, yeah, you know, there's systems, processes, procedures. They're important. But having a soul is important, too. Yeah. And having your own identity is important, too. It's human. Uh, we need those things. Is that, is that what it is yes. to you? That, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so let's really dive into uh, the moment where you're like, all right, this is going to be my career. Um,
1: I think it was it, you know, after, after I graduated college, when I moved to Ithaca, and I've been cooking for th- about three years, and say, I want to move up through... You know, I want to be a. I want to be a better cook. I want to do more than pizza. Um, I never thought that I wanted to be a chef. Yeah. Um, and and I think that I I am one in, in my role here today. Um, but I aspired to being a restaurateur. Okay. And but I I saw I worked these places and I saw that if you didn't know all of the ins and outs of your place. Um, you know, you, then you had to rely on somebody else. And that, so so your place was as good as the chef that you had. Yeah. And you were going to move through several chefs. And yeah. You're not always going to have a great one. So um, when, when I was working all, at all the different restaurants, I was paying attention to how the operation worked, both the good and the bad. And things that I, uh, taking note of things that I wanted to repeat and learning the lessons of the things that did not work.
0: There's a huge lesson in that um I think a lot of people get in trouble. they build a whole business off of a person and the, and their talent and when that person or that talent isn't happy or they get a new opportunity yep. you're you got what do you what are you going to do um I mean the lesson is is don't create people dependent businesses create system dependent businesses and uh you want to elaborate on that a little more um,
1: just, i I mean I am the executive chef here yeah I don't, I don't really rock that title but um, <laughs> You know, I have sous chefs, and and one thing that you gain from working here is I work with you. you yeah, know? and that different people need a different amount of input from me. Sometimes it's just slight guidance, or hey, we tried that before, it didn't really work, or we need to reword that for marketing purposes. Um, and some people need a lot more, um, a lot more from me on the culinary side and um, developing. Um, You know, we cook Southern food here. So most people in Portland, Maine don't have a repertoire or a knowledge of Southern food. So while they're coming up with their own ideas, and I don't mind pulling food ideas from all over the world, but we interpret them in a Southern way, whether that's with certain ingredients or whether we're going to use techniques like pickling and smoking, um, to add a Southern element to a dish, um, awesome so, so
0: sometimes they need more from me from that okay um so i'm really curious about this vision that you had for hot supper uh when when did that vision come into frame when i was working at the hotel
1: so this is like 2003 2002 my brother and i were talking on the phone about this idea we we wanted to call it hot supper it was more of a 11am to 11pm one menu kind of a um a, like a specialized diner okay um kind of kicked up diner food more more creative more um composed diner food but being an affordable and sort of a blue pit, collar target yeah, market blue collar. gotcha yeah, that's a good
0: uh, so 2003 is when this vision came into your, your mind. Yeah. Um, what things did you start to do for, I mean, why your brother? Why did you go to your brother with this? Was it always kind of a, an understanding that you two would go into business together? We just,
1: we started talking about it and, yeah. uh, it grew from there. How'd that conversation start? I, I don't even, I don't <laughs> remember. Um, I don't remember, but my brother went to school for, uh, he's five years younger than me. So when we started hot stuff, I was 27 and he was 22. Okay. He was still in college when, when we actually started and, um, he went to school for business. Okay. And awesome. one of the things that I observed, uh, in these independent restaurants was that he, one person cannot do everything. You will mm. go crazy oh, and man. you need, you need to have, uh, the person who does the things that you don't do. Mm. Um, and that works really well. Dude,
0: I um, love that you pointed that out.
1: I, I see people when, when people are overlapping, they're trying to do the same job. They step on each other's toes. Um, you know, we, we, read a, we read a bit about working with family. It's another thing. If it works, it's great. Yeah. If it doesn't. I know I worked for a guy who didn't talk to his brother anymore. <laughs>
0: So what do you think happened in your situation where you and your brother have this awesome thing going versus other situations where it falls apart? What makes you special? I mean, I,
1: the things that I do well are not the things that he does well.
0: So you're more bond, back of house. What, what do you do well? I, I, I'm the ideas,
1: I'm the culinary side. He's the business side of things. He runs the front of house, um, you know, I, he didn't really have experience as a front of house manager when we started this, but it's something that he's
0: um, grown into over time uh, and gotten better at. Dude, I love what you're giving us right now. Um, I can't help but think, but of Gary Vanderchuk, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, or I think the other guy is Simon Cynic. And uh, what Gary Vanderchek calls it is, uh, you're you're either in the clouds or you're in the dirt. Uh, and it sounds like you're in the clouds. You're the idea guy, the vision guy, the guy that's dreaming, coming up with what can be, be possible. And your brother is the guy who's in the dirt, who, uh, the systems guy, the the, the talent, or like the, the you you also have talent too. But you need both sides of that. The operations, like the the guy who builds it and makes it happen, the guy who plays in the dirt, and the guy who steers the ship with the vision. Uh, and Simon Sinek calls them why guys and how guys. So you're a why guy. Uh, And then your brother is the how guy. Yeah, I would would agree with that. Uh, That's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, So moving forward, uh, when you you guys had this vision, uh, what things did you start to do to make it into reality? Like, How did you bring this vision into fruition?
1: We started looking at um, real estate. One of the pitfalls that I saw, here, you'll you'll (laughs) like this. Um, Do you remember Andolini's? Andolini's, that sounds super familiar. It was a pizza place on, um, it, it, I forget if that's Water Street or Front yeah, Street. Yeah,
0: right, right uh, across from the band, the the circle, the, the bandstand.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so Andolini's was this amazing <laughs> pizza restaurant. I, sh- I should
0: probably stop real quick and let the listeners know. Uh, we just d- When we were talking before the recording, we discovered we went to the same, uh, not the same high school, but the same town for high school uh, where... Uh, Moses went to PEA, which is a private school. I went to the public school. But anyway, you were what
1: we call a townie.
0: Yeah, I was a townie. I was a townie, but sorry, I had to paint that picture for the listeners. Go ahead. So
1: Annalise was this amazing place and they did delivery <laughs> and they had this, uh, this salad dressing that was addictive and everybody okay. liked dipping their crust into it. And it was okay. this secret recipe. I've never, I've never had a dressing, anything like it. And in ever since then, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and Andolini's leased their space, and one day they were, had become so popular that their uh, landlord said we're charging you three times the rent. Oh my god! And with, and they folded. They just, just said, "What we're we're hanging it up." They didn't move. They just they'd had enough, I guess, and they yeah. they just packed it up. Um, it was really sad thing, and I, I thought that the place that I create, I never that's I don't want the rug pulled out from underneath me that mm-hmm. way. As time went on, I, I learned that you know, p- people who lease, they have to negotiate um, uh, repairs and, and expansions with their landlord. And that can often be contentious. And, uh,
0: and So we're we in like 2005, 2006 right now? Is that the time no, frame we're looking at? No,
1: we're, we're in 2004. Okay. So this is before you guys took off across the country. Same year. Okay, cool. Keep looking at real estate <laughs> and we're traveling around. All right. Um, both. Anyway, I just thought it was hugely important to own the real estate. Okay. Um, Why is that so important? Really dive into that. For one. a long-term business plan, um, I mean, we're building equity here. Mm-hmm. We've put so much money into this space, mm. and that's all, uh, t- at the end of the day... It's yours. It's, it's ours. Yeah. So it's, not, it's not somebody else's. Mm-hmm. It's not money wasted. We're not, we're not throwing rent money around. So how uh, long did you look? I looked for a couple years. How many other places did you find? Um... I almost bought a place that's a couple blocks away.
0: Why didn't you buy that place? Uh,
1: my offer wasn't accepted. It was it, it, the landlord took a higher offer. I mean, the owner, the build, building owner took a higher offer. And then, of course, that guy's financing fell through. So <laughs> he, I ended up working for him at his restaurant uh, later on. And, and we, we laughed that, yeah. you know, that he should have taken my offer.
0: <laughs> that's funny. So um, what do you think it was about you that made you hold true to uh, this gut feeling that you needed to own the property? Um, about me. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I
1: stick to my ideas. You know, when I, when I've convinced myself that it's the right way to do something. Yeah. Um, when we bought this property, I had already bought, I had bought a house, um, a three unit building. And so I didn't have any more, uh, lending capability i was i was maxed out okay. and so i said my real estate agent said hey you should come look at this property i came and looked at it i'd eaten here before it was a uh, at the restaurant that it used to be and i hated the restaurant but i liked the space it's a great space and when we walked through the space i said oh it's 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 much bigger it's got all this um room for growth and um, so i said hey that 's a good spot that's a, it, I, I dig it um, i don 't know what to do now i you know i still don 't have any money it, and he said we're going to put it under contract you 're going to control the property for thirty days, and in that time, you are going to put together a group of investors um, to uh, to to purchase the property yeah. and that's that 's what i did uh we We, we formed an LLC for a small investment group, um, and they made the commercial down payment part. Awesome. And yeah, seven years later, we bought them out. They did well. They they made uh, an interest rate the entire time, and they got all their money back uh, after seven years. Yeah, uh,
0: I, I really want to dive into this portion of your journey where uh, we're really going to put the uh, the mics to these great mics to um, practice today. Hopefully. They pick up. Just I mean, we love kids. I mean, it's, we're gonna roll with this. It's gonna be awesome. But uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a family-friendly establishment. I love it, man. This is this is what I wanted to, to be on site and to experience the real deal. And we're getting it today, so it's awesome. Um, <laughs> so so going back to uh, you decide to travel the country. You really put a lot of thought into like what you want to do. Uh, why why was that so important to you to to get that experience and to really get intimate with the food that you'd be serving here?
1: Yeah. So. I mean, the, the, the trips that we took, we took a four-week road trip through the south. We did a leg in Boston, we did a leg in New York, and we did part to Chicago. And, you know, we've all been to those places where, <laughs> where um, when you're in a restaurant that's an institution, you know it. Yeah. You know, the place has been there, whether it's changed from one owner to another to another, or whether it's been in the same family for 60 years, There's something that, you know, they've got the lightning in the bottle where they, there's, usually it's a product that they're famous for, that they do really well, but there are other intangibles. And so So, we tried to figure out, you know, just by going into these places, what are they doing? How are they, how are they taking the orders? Like what, what,
0: what makes these places... Dude, you're lighting me up right now because uh, when I was reading about this, I was like, I wonder if it was just the food, or if there was something underlying that they were looking for. And I'm curious. Um, you said it, you know there was some kind of they caught lightning in a bottle, but really dive into what you observed about these places that really knocked it out of the park that made them special. I mean, first and foremost, they have there's an organic character to them.
1: That you feel when you're in the place. Dive
0: into what an organic character it's means. It's
1: like you know when you've been into a home that someone in uh, they bought a house, they flipped it, and they did. It's like a Home Depot feel yeah. in there. You know exactly that. You know everything that everything in that house came from Home Depot. Yeah. Um, it's like the opposite of that, where a, a place evolved slowly over time, piece by piece. It's got patina to it, and that carries into the the culture of like the the way that the staff interacts with you. Um, and, Just raw, you know and, like then, a, and then the and then the product the product is yeah. is special and unique to, to you know
0: th- why is that so important to have a product that is so unique and so special there's this this concept
1: that I pitched, and I call it craveability i 'm sure that other people call it something else, but if you i don 't think you can be an institution unless there there have to be I'll say at least one, but hopefully more, um, depending on the scale of your menu of the things that you serve that if it's two days from now or a week from now, or maybe you were visiting town, you had that thing and you, you'd live away, away yeah. and you come back and you say, I need to have that again. I really want to have that again. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling like I need <laughs> that. That's it's your hook. That's it's the hook in yeah. music terms. It's the hook.
0: Yeah. So you were in search for your hook. Is that kind of safe to say? Like, or what? Something that you could bring back home that would be so unique to your place, no one else could touch it. What were you um, looking for exactly?
1: I didn't. We didn't leave that trip with uh, with recipes. Yeah. Um, we we left with an understanding of inspiration, the, maybe some inspiration, but like the scope of okay. uh, you know, like take coleslaw for instance. As we traveled around the south. Um, within a state but state to state yeah. coleslaw would change.
0: Did you go from like, one Cornbread state would to the change. next or did you do one trip to come back to another trip come back? Uh,
1: we was four week run. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, my brother's car really stunk after that. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's four, there's only so much fried chicken that that someone should oh, eat in a four week span.
0: Dude, I'm so jealous of you right now. But um what was your take us to the, the most impactful moment? of this experience for you that like sits with you that you'll never forget wow uh <laughs> I bet there's a ton
1: <laughs> so this is but it's before we're in we're in charlotte north carolina and this is before cell phones okay really um or so before, there's, there's no smartphones. So we're going into this into these restaurants with like a pad of paper nice. and a camera, and we spend most of the day, uh, like we'll spend a couple hours trying to figure out how to get to these places because there's no GPS. There's you know so we have to wayfind to them, and we usually have to stop and ask a couple of people where they are because there are holes in the wall, yeah. and. Um, we get to this one place that's a it's a hot dog place called Green's Lunch. And the owner... Where is this? It's in, in Charlotte. Okay. And uh, they do a hot dog and it's a chili dog and it's, uh, I think it has some slaw on it. And uh, we're taking pictures and writing things down and the owner starts yelling at us that we can't take pictures <laughs> because this is before all of this food porn like no taking pictures of your food was weird and she thought that we were from we were some corporate company oh. and we were spies and <laughs> that we were there to steal her recipe that only her husband makes that chili okay the only one um, <laughs> that kind of that stands
0: out so what what did you was there a lesson in that story um did you how did that end did you tell them what you're up yeah up and then she was fine with it
1: she, <laughs> she was so she let us take all the pictures that so we wanted, but, how did
0: you get her fine with it
1: uh, sh- once we explained what, what we were doing, um, what was the, the explanation? Just, just the purpose of our road trip that we wanted to do. We were doing Southern restaurant research and then we wanted to share, um, Southern food with, uh, people in Portland, Maine. And,
0: and oh, man. how did that change? How did that, that energy change when she knew that you were someone like her who, uh, was passionate about the food, passionate about bringing something special back home, not corporate, uh, Talk us through that like, I just remember she laughed at
1: herself. And, <laughs> you know, and she said, th- oh, 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 okay, okay. I you know, <laughs> she was a little bit
0: embarrassed. That's and funny. She was really
1: sweet to us after that.
0: Great. Oh, man. So, um, okay, now you have the location picked out. Um, at this point, did you have the location picked out on the, when you were on the trip? Well, no. That?
1: no, that was after. Because we, we didn't find this place until um,
0: late, late 2005. Okay. Um, uh, late 2005. It's like November. You found November. this place. Yeah. Um, what do you think the, the key, that experience of finding the location, that um, any key lessons for me, what were they in that experience?
1: Well, so one thing was that I had an opportunity when I was at working at Cornell. Um, the employees could take a free class if you'd been there for a certain period of time. Okay. So I took this class called Restaurant Design, um, which was a great... It was a great experience. And you know, we would spend a whole class talking about pieces of equipment or drawing diagrams for restaurant layout. Um, and, but one of the biggest lessons I took away was that the professor had us jot down. She said, what, what are the, the, th- the three things of starting a restaurant? Market, concept, location. Put them in order as to which one you think is the most important. And then everybody so she said, How, you know, who, who chose location? 90% of the hands went up. Who chose concept? The rest of the hands went up. And uh, she said, well, you've all got it wrong. <laughs> the first thing, the most important piece is the market. Mm. You have to look at your market. She said, one of these common pitfalls is that people fall in love with their concept. Yep. Or they fall in love with the location. But the concept that they put in the location doesn't fit the market. Mm. Or, or, um, so she said, you start with the market. So when we were writing the business plan to, to prove to our investors and to the bank that we were going to be able to run this restaurant, uh, we, we we drew a circle. Around this location, and we said, let's let's look at what the market around this location needs. The place was a breakfast place for 20 years. Okay, and um, so we within our circle, we you know, how far is the next breakfast place? Well, it's it's about three quarters of a mile away, and we're we're just down, you know, we're in town, Portland, so it's pretty dense here, and you know, we're on the edge of the densest populated neighborhood in the state of Maine, mm-hmm. and we're at the uh, corners of where four different neighborhoods come together, um, and there's no breakfast places in here for three-quarters of a mile. Okay, So, you know, where's the next dinner place? Well, there's lots of those around. So, um, the place was really speaking to, like, the market for here, said. Yeah. And then I went around, and I, t- I checked out all the competition in the breakfast market, And I was, um, not impressed (laughs) to say the least. All right. Um, and I thought, well, with my background from doing kind of higher end dinner, which I don't want to do, um, I can definitely bring breakfast and brunch food to another level and be different than everyone else in Mm. the breakfast and brunch market and, um, should be able to compete fairly well in that market
0: yeah there's a lot of key things i'm pulling from this because i I remember you earlier saying that uh 2011 when you really started to have the vision you were looking for an 11 to 11 p.m but you knew that you had to kind of give a little to make this work and that's really smart like what you gave up was not not your ideal concept like you focus on breakfast and lunch instead of lunch and dinner
1: Yeah, i was a dinner cook always yeah i'm a I'm a nighttime person.
0: How has that paid off for you?
1: And I, I (laughs) I made myself cook breakfast. Uh, You know, I was at work at 6:30 or before for for (laughs) five years. Was it worth it?
0: Yeah. But let's really dive into that. Like, uh, how has that paid off? What would have happened to you if you think you tried to do dinner
1: from the beginning? There were logistical reasons. I mean, the place was set up for breakfast. Yeah. I mean, what could have made dinner happen anyway? But we didn't, you know, when we, we got the money to buy the real estate, the investment group, we had a very small, we had a shoelace budget, shoestring budget, right? And we basically cleaned and painted and we were out of money. That was it. (laughs) So we just, we just opened off of that. Yeah. Um, Could we have done dinner? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure that we could have.
0: So, oh, man, there's so many questions I want to ask. It's always so hard to have to pick a direction and, and go with it. Um, so I, I think we could probably talk to the the power. I mean, first, a summary of that lesson, that you start with the market. Um, you know, a summary of, like... You can't make it work if the market's not there. I it it's not about you; it's about the customer. I see people lesson, in
1: town. You know, we have a lot of Italian restaurants, yeah. and when I hear somebody opening another Italian restaurant, I think, <laughs> Where, "Are you crazy? Like, yeah.
0: what are you going to do that Probably. these guys aren't doing?" Yeah, you know. Um, so I mean, that's the big lesson: find a niche, carve out a niche, and, and do to. do one thing better than everybody else. Is the yeah. lesson that I paid for? Yeah. that. awesome. So, um, what was your biggest challenge from that point of? You know, turn You said it, shoestring, shoestring budget. Um, I mean, what do you want to talk? About? What do you think the big, the big lesson, the next big lesson you have to share with my audience is? Well, you know, a lot of people open a restaurant
1: and they have, they've got a a, a backer. You know, yeah. they have, they have investors. They've got, they've got a couple hundred thousand dollars to sink into a place. Yeah. I mean, we took a junk place and piece by piece, we made it what it is now. Okay. And while that is the hard way of doing it, you think a lot about every decision that you're going to make yep. because you don't have the room to error. Yep. Um, so that makes smart growth.
0: Yeah. So really dive into that. So you're talking about um, starting with a lean, a lean startup, essentially, uh, in pivoting and growing over time. How do you think that helps being able to pivot and adapt to the market over time versus throwing a bunch of money at a guess? Well, you know,
1: we've never advertised. So I have a friend who owns a successful place in town. Uh, He's in his 80s. And he told me, if you need to advertise in this town, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Dive into that. Well, just that your product should speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And this is a word of mouth town. Yep. And um, we went at it. We said, let's take this junker restaurant and turn it into something that puts out a great food product and we'll improve the service and we'll improve the atmosphere. But that, back to craveability, what you are going to get on your plate makes you want to come back. Mm. And we just built, we built off of that.
0: Yeah, and you guys put tons of just research and effort into making something truly special. So um, what's next in your journey? What, what else do you think is crucial uh, that we discuss in the next 10 to 15 minutes before we go to the speed round? Well, I would say... Um, Hmm. <laughs> I mean, as you, as you scaled, as you grew over time, I guess, uh, how did you evolve as a restaurant tour from the 2000, uh, what was it? 2006 is when you opened your doors, right? Yeah. Uh, to like now, like what was that? Like you said, you, you pivoted and you grew and you added on a little bit more at a time. So how, like, what were your aha moments along the way that you think have helped you really become a, a staple in the community? One was when you realize that,
1: you know, when I was cooking on the line, um, you know, I'm personally watching the standard of every plate in the restaurant. When we added dinner, our our three things that we wanted to add to this place from when it started was as a breakfast spot, we we said we want to add um, alcohol we want to add a patio out back mm-hmm. and we want to add a dinner service. Okay. And by 2010, we'd done all those things. It took us 5 5 to 6 years yep. to get all of them done. That was a long wait. How did you prioritize that? Uh, just just one at a time. I, I don't the the alcohol, they all came far, fairly close together. Yeah. Um, when the recession happened, we were Frightened, but we ended up having some of our biggest growth years during the recession because people weren't spending money on going out to high end, but they still were going to go out to eat. And so we were this, yep. this place that answered that. We're like, hey, I'm going to spend money. I want to go get some good food, but I don't want to. It needs to be affordable. Okay. So um, we had some great growth years in the first five years that led up to, to being able to, um, to expand.
0: Okay, so when you look back at what Hot Suppa was in 2006 and what it is today, um, what are the, the key elements that you think have had the biggest impact on your profitability, your your just success in general? Uh, your is there anything you've changed, or are there any ways you've, you've evolved systems you've implement, implemented? Looking back, uh, consistency.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm sure you hear that a lot. Consistency, consistency in what? In everything, but in the guest experience. Yep. And in the employee experience, too, I mean my brother and I are here he He comes in early, yep. and we overlap a couple hours, and I stay late yep. so we 're in the building Um, a dive lot. into
0: that consistency in the employee experience If you're you 're going to
1: open that? a restaurant, you have to be here yeah it, it's i mean i don 't i can 't speak from from the perspective of somebody who has several places, but I could speak to somebody who thinks they 're going to open one place, yep. and I would tell you you absolutely have to be there. Yeah, why? Like 80% of the time at least. Because why? Because if you don't care and you're not in there showing that you care and that, you know, they, you know, try to control your c- control freak nature, but what? that, um, that you care what the, what the guests are experiencing, you care that the recipes are correct. Um, you know, you care that the employees aren't fighting fires on their own with no support you know, and, or that things are chaos, mm. and you know the ordering is shit. You know, shabby, and oh, we have this now, but we don't have this now, and that you know, your hours are consistent. It's just, it's very key. Mm. We, we were a seven-day-a-week place, so I worked six months and I didn't take a single day off. I just worked six months straight, yeah, from five o'clock in the morning until you know I was probably here until five o'clock at night, yeah, and.
0: Are you still pulling hours like that now? No, now
1: I have normal hours. They, <laughs> what are normal hours? I'm curious. They, they, you know, for a couple years, I had one day off a week and then I had two days off, but they were split and then they were together. So now uh, I have Sundays and Mondays off. My brother also has Sundays and Mondays off. Um, and we are here f- five days a week. I mean, no. obviously we're on call. We live really close by. Yeah.
0: So uh, what happened to allow you to reduce back and get some uh, life balance?
1: Um, I started playing hockey again. Okay, um, <laughs> I hadn't really played since Exeter. Okay, and I just uh, so
0: how did playing hockey have to do
1: with? I, I realized that I hadn't been getting exercise. I really hadn't had a hobby. Okay, um,
0: when did you realize this?
1: Oh uh, God, it was around two two thousand ten. It was around the same time we opened for dinner. Okay, uh, for for five and a half, six years, all, all I was was a, I was a line cook that that had a whole restaurant of headaches and things to worry about. <laughs> yeah. And once I started playing hockey, I realized that I really needed to choose some time out for myself. I had a buddy also who uh, convinced me to get in on a small sailboat with him. Okay. And that was a life-changing experience. I had n- never sailed before. I
0: uh, had no idea that I would love it. And, yeah. and uh, How are you different now after making time for yourself? I just feel more balanced. How's the business different now?
1: Um, well, you put more you put more um, weight on your managers okay. to take care of things. Yeah, um, I've had bad managers, and and that's something that if I could go back, I wish I would kind of shake myself and say, "Hey, look, you, man, the, your managers need to manage. <laughs> okay, they're not they're not glorified line cooks. Yeah, they're, you know they are." This is um, they need to take some of the weight off of you so that you can enjoy having balance to your life. And you need to get out there and have balance to your how life. How do you get them that to that important.
0: point though? How do you You
1: pick the right people?
0: Oh, okay. And how do you find the right people? How do you attract onto yourself the right you, people? You when you
1: I, I wish there was a magic ball for hiring. <laughs> There's not. I, I can't say that I'm any better at it than I is than I was when I started, but I know who's wrong for the job. And you know, you've got a couple of days a week, maybe four weeks, and then i 'm going to say you 're either right for the job or you 're wrong for the job yeah and um, we're going to have we 're going to talk about the expectations through that period of time, and if i don 't think you can do the job well enough you 're not going to be here because one thing we can 't afford is having managers that don 't that don 't manage
0: okay so how do you how do you look at that situation? How do you, when that situation comes up and they're not right for it, how do you approach that situation in a way that is respectful? I'm curious.
1: I sit people down. I say, these are all the things that I've needed to be done. This is what I've communicated to you over time. Yep. I'm not confident in your ability to, um, to do them. And, you know, I wish you luck in the future. Awesome. Cool. I just try to be really straight and honest with people. that's
0: all you can be. Um, Man, but, you said some stuff earlier that I think um, kind of answers the question as to what we can do to attract on those great people and how we, how we truly get the great people. And I think it's doing what you've done up to this point, which is being a hands-on manager, a hands-on owner, where you care. Yep. If, because and I'll say one thing, and you can kind of bounce back and let me know what you think about this next, this next line, which is you know, nobody's going to care more for your business than you. That's true. And why do you think that's so important? I think that, that idea of just knowing that nobody's going to care more for your business than you.
1: It, it, it's important if, to to th- to think about what what people are thinking about when they're doing their job, mm. and to have people who, you know, you've got to be able to put the guest hat on. You've got to be able to think like, what what what's my experience coming coming in here? Yeah, and I try to empower people with, you know. I mean, if you say you work at Hot Supper in this town, pe- people are, you get a smile. Yeah. Because we make people happy. Yeah. And we do it, we make a lot of people happy and we do it every day. Yep. And if you get to be part of that, be part of a good product, be part of working at a good place, um, it's empowering. Yeah. You, 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 When someone comes in for breakfast and it, maybe it's the, it's the only meal that they're going to spend on that day and the, and you you just blow them away. Yeah. Right? It's a it's a benedict with pulled pork and fried green tomatoes and the hollandaise is spot on and the eggs are poached absolutely correctly and they're served by somebody who's genuinely friendly, not mm. fake friendly. Okay? <laughs> but who's very pleasant and the and the coffee service is prompt and and it's affordable so you're not feeling like you're ripped off and um and they leave really happy. And that's a lot of power to have uh, for everybody involved. Yeah. That, that, that power to either ruin your day by yep. screwing it up or to make your day by yeah. giving you this great thing. Yeah,
0: I love it. And you know, if there's one lesson I've learned from this podcast, talking to so many incredible people like yourself, it's that behind every great restaurant, it's a great person. And uh, that greatness, um, it's your job as the owner to impose who you are on to other people and to bring them up to the same level of passion, the same level of caring that you have. And if you take that thing out of the restaurant, that person out of the restaurant, at the end of the day, it's all about people. It's all about the people in the restaurant, not yeah. the restaurant itself. Um, so you've got to be that person. You've got to recreate yourself and duplicate yourself in others. If you want to take time off. And it sounds like you've done that. You've gotten to the point where you've, you've recreated yourself in others and you have that presence through the culture you've created and others, so you can go play hockey if you want to. So you can go sailing if you want to.
1: When you're, I mean, we're still building an institution here. (laughs) And so that institution, you know, I I think people would be very sad if this place didn't exist anymore in Mm -hmm. their neighborhood. Yeah. Um, And I try to take myself, well, I'm I'm agreeing with you that that (laughs) I need to be part of it, but I also like to think about it continuing on beyond me mm. and that it's got this foundation and sort of fundamentals of uh, what make it what it is. And the restaurant has its own
0: life yeah. to it um, that will keep it going, hopefully indefinitely. definitely. Awesome. Um, so is there anything else you want to share with us as far as like things you were hoping we would talk about, any aha moments, things you know to be true that have contributed to your success here that we didn't touch on yet? I don't think so. I think we've, I think we've, Awesome. <laughs> really hit it. Great. So let me ask you this. Tell me about a time uh, where you fell hard on... There's a kid sitting by, so I'm not going to say the A word. I'll say the hard on your butt. <laughs> I usually ask hard on your ass. But, um,
1: uh, <laughs> well, to, to, oh, yeah, be, to take that very literally, I, uh, I had an accident and I, I, had, uh, I, I fell and I had a brain trauma. Oh, man. And I lost my sense of smell. Ouch. So as a as a chef, um, you know, my tongue still worked. So I had... Is it, your sense of smell still gone? It's come back slowly over time. Okay. Some of it. Um, I had to still... You know, I think if I worked for a company, I would have been on medical leave for probably six months. Okay. But I was hospitalized for two days and I was back here in four How'd you fall five days I was skating oh, o- outside um, and uh, so I had to trust I had to learn to trust my cooks because my whole sense yeah. of taste was uh, it was just gone.
0: How did you get through that? How did you develop this trust with your cooks? How did you overcome that?
1: I was really honest about what I was able to taste and not taste, and i i I asked a lot of questions, and I relied on people who I trusted their palate. Yeah, there were some of my cooks and some of my servers, but I knew I knew I understood the people's palates who were working for me, and um, and I asked questions and and just kept putting one foot in front of the other.
0: What's the big lesson from this experience? What you took away from this experience? How you're better today because of this experience?
1: I mean, that definitely... It made me humble and feel like, you know, that... I mean, I, I, was, I was disabled from... Uh, I also lost hearing in one ear oh, and man. I had a stage three con- concussion. Jeez. So I was kind of a mess, but I... You just push through it and kind um, of just take it, take it, take it a how step at a time. How did you push through it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, where did you, like, search inside? Like, how, like, what did you tell yourself to, just to push through it? Because it looks like you came out the other side. The You've hardest thing
1: right. was not knowing whether, the, whether my sense of smell was ever going to come back. Yeah. And, that, and that is, it's like 80% of your sense of taste is your yeah. sense of smell. Otherwise, you're just limited to sweet, sour, salty, bitter, umami. Okay, that's all you've got. Um, I read a book by someone who it happened to, uh, and I and I knew that um, that it was possible. So yeah. you always have hope yeah. of, of getting back,
0: getting it back. It's just stay hopeful. I mean, is what I'm saying for me. Just just show up and do the work and power through it. And you 'll come out the other side if you're going through something. I used
1: the restaurant like um, physical therapy in that I would stick my nose in everything and even though I couldn't smell it, I felt like you had to go through the exercise of trying to smell it yeah. otherwise it was never going to come back Awesome. and whether that was you know taste, tasting wines and you know you I mean, couldn't tell any I couldn't tell a white wine from a red wine really um, yeah oh man so you just
0: <laughs> well there's some great lessons in that and uh, we're going to take uh, a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Yo, guys, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely a restaurant or bar owner who wants to be a better leader, who wants to make more money, who wants to be more successful, who wants to work smarter, not harder. And you just want to be great, which means, you know, you can never stop educating yourself. If that sounds like you and you want to learn how to attract more new customers and get a competitive edge over your competition, sounds pretty good, right? Then you need to listen to this message. you got to listen. Just ready for it. Here it is. Leading industry expert. Nick Fosberg, and past guest of Restaurant Unstoppable, wrote what I believe to be the best how to book on attracting new customers and creating highly profitable promotions on a shoestring budget. And because you're Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, he's going to give you this book not for $30 on Amazon, but you're getting it for free. Yeah free. Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy. Again, that's freebrsbook.com. Get your free copy while supplies last. We're back. The first question I have for you, Moses, is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? I think uh, constantly questioning things, Mm. being really
1: open-minded that something Could possibly be better than than it is now, and listening to your team on you know what do you think about that? What is there a better way that we could do that?
0: Do you have a habit or something that you do to to track growth and to track to challenge your perception of reality? Do you keep a journal or no? You just Uh, keep it it in your head.
1: It's yeah, it's just in my head. Just what are the what are the challenges that we're facing this week? What what hasn't been consistent?
0: How can we make it that way? And you mentioned something that's really important, too. You It's not just in your head, but you bounce this off of your team. You're looking for re- what, what does your team think? And I think that's really important because the power of one brain versus how many people are on your team.
1: We have 38 employees here. 30.
0: The power of 38 brains, uh, that brain power, the just creative thinking of solutions. And you never know where you're going to get a, an awesome... Suggestion, yeah. Like, where have you gotten incredible suggestions from people that normally wouldn't give you suggestions? Can you think of any, like a dishwasher? Like, Oh, a guy just, uh, <laughs> yeah. sure. just
1: while you were setting up, one of the, uh, staff came up and he pointed out some, uh, a spot in the menu where he thinks, uh, you've got three different choices, but people are a little bit confused about, yeah. they think that you get two of the things, but then maybe, and then the other thing is an option. It's just, it's a little muddled. And, yeah. He pointed it out. I said, write it down just exactly the way that, that you think it should read so yeah. that people, it's clear. And we'll, next time we print the menu, we'll, we'll pop it in there.
0: So how do you create the culture where people know that that's okay, that you can speak up? We tell them when, when we hire them that the
1: door's always open and we're always looking for good ideas. Awesome. What is your biggest weakness? Hmm. Um, I think our our biggest weakness is... Sometimes it's marketing, but you know we also decided intentionally not to market. Yep. Um, but
0: so with that money that you wouldn't spend on marketing, what where do you think you put that money? To well,
1: we've it? always said that it's you know if you if you need to fix a piece of equipment like yep. a refrigerator is dying yeah. can you really make the decision that you should go buy some advertising yeah the, the fridge well, has to be working yeah, so it's you know, not really a
0: choice take that money that you would put inside marketing and put it back into the business to make sure you can be the best yeah i love it um what is one piece of advice you have for leading
1: sometimes my temperament uh, i i i want to have a strong reaction to something yep. and to uh bite your tongue for a little while um think about things get the whole story yes and uh and approach it calmly that took me a few years <laughs> i'm still working on it but awesome I, advice i'm better though. at it now
0: uh what is one thing you look for or one question you ask when you're looking to build your team and hire when we're
1: interviewing we pick this up in some trade magazine we ask about um what people's parents do and where how, if they have siblings or where and where they fall in the order of siblings and that those questions allow us to uh, also hobbies we ask about hobbies mm-hmm. um, I get through those three questions I get a really good picture of who you are mm. and what you do and kind of how you operate in life <laughs> you know where are you from um, do your parents work a a government job or were they um, were they independent um, self-employed mm-hmm. and you know how hard your parents work and you probably had to work pretty yeah. hard as a kid too yeah so those things can be really good awesome uh, let's
0: see here what is your current challenge right now
1: if there is one current challenge right now yeah um, well we're our biggest problem is that uh, we lose a lot of business because we're such a small restaurant. Mm. We have 40 seats. We have 20 more seats when, we're, when we have the patio open. Yeah. And um, we are exploring uh, a,
0: a, a little bit of a build-out okay. to uh, be slightly bigger. <laughs> and you're making me want to rush this thing and hurry it up because you've got people standing at the door now. Don't worry about it. I don't want it. to take up your real estate. No. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> They're used to waiting here. <laughs> So, uh, what's one thing besides food that you think you guys do really well that separates you from others? We we get involved in the community. Um,
1: I started a neighborhood association. Um, you know, so you can market yourself through other ways by just putting yourself out there yeah. and uh, being involved in the space around you. It has nothing to do with the restaurant. Yeah, but. People in town just being real. They just they know. Care. Hey, this guy lives in the neighborhood and he cares about stuff. Yeah, and he's out there trying to get street lights turned on and things like that. Yeah. And, um,
0: so you're saying the best thing you can do to market your restaurant is just to be real and care and show people how much you care by taking so. action. I think so. Beautiful. Uh, what's one piece of technology? Screw it! I'll just ask a question anyway. What's one piece of, I want to have order? <laughs> what's one piece of technology uh, you've adopted in your restaurant, and uh, how are you influencing uh, operations because of this technology?
1: I'll, I'll give you. Um, I'll give you three. Okay. Um, two are these, just physical things. Um, we just installed these table uh, table bases. Flat tech flat tip it's amazing (laughs) i've Uh, seen
0: them at the national restaurant association yeah Uh, it is amazing
1: we've done we've done four tables and wow does that work the tables don't wobble anymore they have (laughs) it's like a suspension system for your table do you why is that so important because it's one of those little things it's like hey how could it be better yeah the table wobbles now you can do shims they get kicked out when they sw- swept and mopped, and you, they got lost, and it's back to you know, your folding coasters.
0: And, but what if your table could always <laughs> you know, be still? I mean, we've all been there, though. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. When you're sitting at a table, everything's great, and then the table wobbles. And then you're just going to hone in on that little thing that's so insignificant, but it can, really, it can ruin an experience when you're every time you're like leaning on the yeah. table to take a bite or something like you're like going on a seesaw
1: there's a thing we've installed in our wear washing station called drain strainer and it's a it's basically a, a, a catch yeah so that all of the little things that are going down your all the, the food particles that are going down your wear washing station you have this extra catch that you can dump before you're um, you know the reason why we installed this is because our our pipe clogged up a couple oh, times wow. with with food bits. And
0: how much does it cost to uh, have somebody come in and clean up pipes? Uh,
1: I mean, you could you could be shut down during service, right? Oh, yeah. If you can't ru- operate your dishwashing yeah. station, we're either gonna go to the three bay, which is extremely laborious, <laughs> right, or. Um, so, yeah, so it's one of those things. It's just a it's just a daily maintenance thing. It gets it gets dumped twice a day. It's just a it's just a big strainer. Okay, um, that's an awesome thing. And then recently we started we switched our POS system over to Clover, okay. and I do the scheduling for the back of house. And so Clover has a um a platform called Homebase that's yep. a scheduling uh, tool, and that's been really great. It's 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 a, it's a lot easier than the scheduling. Um, a program that I was using previously. And I can also publish the schedule when I'm done with it. And people's individual schedules get sent to their phone or their email. And if I make a change, it gets sent to the people who, whoever yeah. I have to, how move much, around. how many
0: hours or minutes a week or a month has that shaved off your life? Um, or added to your life, I should say. It, it, I mean, <laughs> scheduling
1: is a difficult process. Anything yeah. that makes it easier, uh, is, is huge. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, it's probably taking a few hours off wow, a week. A week,
0: yeah. Think about that. What would you do? I mean, we talk about life, like work-life balance. Like you can, you can do things in your business to get time back to add to systematize to organize yeah. everything. And if you, I mean, that's what technology is. It's a it's a system that was created far beyond any system that you could create in house that will get you time back into your life so you can do things like having a bigger impact on your community or caring and developing your manager so they can. Be here when you're not. The cool thing about Clover
1: is that your your clock your clock in system and your um, your your POS and your uh, uh, you know your sales yep. they're all integrated. Yep. So I, it'll report the reporting is awesome. Like yeah. It'll tell me uh, what was my labor percentage on that shift, and I can view on my phone how many how much in sales we've yeah. done in a. So in why a day. Clover?
0: I mean, there's a lot of great platforms out there. What you go over? Clover? You
1: know, it's not, it's not the most restaurant-friendly um, POS system that you can use. Okay. It's, not, it's set up for retail. It's not necessarily set up for restaurants. So why'd but, you go with it? Um, it doesn't have a, a brain, uh, a hard drive that lives on site. Yep. It's in a cloud. And so, you know, just that home-based app that I was describing yep. for scheduling, it's... Im- it's updated and improved itself yep. several times since since I've started yeah. using every it. Every month. Only been yeah. a couple months. So
0: every time you pay for the the subscription, you're updating your platform. Yep. So it also takes care of uh, PCI compliance too, which is something you don't have to worry about. So now
1: yeah, now we have we can uh we have chip readers yep. and uh um you know just not having a piece of hardware that's gonna, going to run its yeah. life, and then you're yeah. going to have to replace.
0: I uh, recorded an episode, uh, it's a bonus episode, where I interview the most recommended POS companies on the show. So if you guys are listening to this, and you're thinking about changing your POS, uh, all the, the POS companies that were recommended on the show, the most recommended, I put against each other, interviewed those people, and uh, you guys can help. You know, It's a good resource. I'll link to it in the show notes. I think it's episode like 3... 11 or 10 or 15. I should probably know that, but I'll figure it out. Uh, just go to the show notes. This is episode 3 Clover's got some
1: serious growing pains. It's, yeah. har- it's hard to get it off the ground, but once you're up and running with it, um, it's, awesome. pr- it's pretty good. So
0: the, qu- the question I skipped accidentally was what's one book that's a must read uh, if you want to be a better person or a restaurant professional?
1: When I was uh, working in my early days as a cook uh, and Kitchen Confidential came out, yeah. um, for me, there was no roadmap at that time. Um, of what to do or not to do and Mm. I feel like Kitchen Confidential if you read it in the context of uh, you know you're gonna get into the restaurant business it's a book of what not to do yeah um and it it's, really... It's also
0: it, a reality check, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, too. That, too. I've i have listened to it uh, in the past year, and I found that, you know, as much as it's, just a, it's an expose, yep. there's a lot of knowledge in there oh, yeah. that, that he... It's
0: a great book for audio. Down.
1: I read another book called uh, Becoming a Chef, which talked to... Who they they interviewed that? a lot of... Um, uh, big celebrity chefs and uh, people who had really made it, and half of them went to culinary school, and the other half didn 't and whereas I was coming at it from i wasn 't going to go to culinary school because I'd already, i 'd already already had yeah. school debt and i wasn 't taking on anymore it showed me that that book showed me it was okay
0: to think, learn on the job I think I know that book um, was it michael uh, roman i 'm not sure it 's a couple to so the spotlight uh, I think it was Oh, the guy that's the host of the the Chew, the bald dude. You know, oh, okay, whatever. I'll link to it in the show notes. But I, uh, they, they go through and they, they make an example. We'll just move on because I'm not sure if we're talking about the okay. same book. But I will link to it in the show notes. And what was the biggest lesson from that book that you uh, you got? Just that
1: that if you apply to yourself, you, that you can learn on the job, and that not going to culinary school was not it didn't put you at a disadvantage you were going to learn other lessons on the job that people in culinary school weren't weren't going to pick up in their in their time at school
0: got you uh, I just tried to look it up, but I'd never gone onto your Wi-Fi. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> I think both those books are on audio. So head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. If you're not listening to audiobooks, uh, it's changed my life. I don't know. It sounds like you listen to audiobooks, too. Yeah. Uh, working in the restaurant industry, you don't have a lot of time to sit down or keep your eyes open uh, after you've worked a long day. So to read, uh, I mean, just listening to audiobooks, like in the car or when you're working, like to me... It's like a no-brainer. So check out audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. What do you think about audiobooks? Do you listen to them a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Especially <laughs> yeah. if you're, you know, when you're traveling. Yep, that's a that's an awesome time to do. Uh, it.
0: And also, I'll have the link to Amazon to uh, episode three forty five. Restaurant Unstoppable slash three four five. We're almost done. Um, if there's one question I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview, what would it have been?
1: Be I mean, what. What's the what's the biggest mistake you ever made?
0: What's the biggest mistake you've ever made?
1: When I when I adopted I I adopted the the crew from the restaurant that we took over. Oh. Um, that was a horrible idea.
0: Yeah, you know, there's uh, a lot that's come up a few times in my experience where uh why is that such a bad idea? At the time it felt like a nice thing to do. The the previous
1: owner of the restaurant actually asked me to do it. Yeah. And um, I thought there wasn't a there was no reason why not. <laughs> what but what was the reason why not? The culture that, you know, I, I look back and say, well, look, you know, look, uh, you adopted people from a restaurant that you you yourself didn't like. Yeah. And I was just, just so optimistic that I thought that uh, we could all grow together mm. and everybody would be excited about it. But, I mean, they were really coming from a culture of another restaurant that I yeah. didn't want anything to do
0: with. And So how did you get yourself out of that situation? I mean they either quit or got fired over time and So what's the advice? Don't fold if you, if you are I, I, in this situation. I would have
1: I would have technically fired everybody. Yep. And then I would have said if you want to keep working here at the new restaurant, uh you will have an opportunity to interview for your job and you will be um you know, I will be interviewing lots of people and you will have a chance
0: to keep working here or not. Yeah. But I wouldn't just it's a good approach. Yeah. And For somebody who is in the middle of this shitstorm <laughs> and didn't go through that step, uh, and is experiencing this right now, uh, what did you do to overcome that? Uh, how did you get out of that situation? If you could do it again, how would you, knowing that like you're starting from, you have them on your team, like what what should we do?
1: I mean, I I really I just. I don't think there was anything that I could have done yeah. uh, with, with them. Yeah. I, I just wish that I. Just had, get rid of the. I would, have just, I would have liked to have interviewed other people yeah. and maybe brought brought in some new
0: blood. That would have been good. you. Gotcha. So if you could go back in time, Moses, and just give yourself one piece of business advice, mm-hmm. what would it be? Uh, I would say try to
1: have a more clear identity of what the restaurant is, ha- have that elevator. Uh, speech, you know, two sentences, what is it? Mm. Today, I can tell you, um, you know, we rebranded recently and we we pulled together a lot of loose ends that um, had been bugging us for a while. And one of them was that identity question. Mm -hmm. And when we started Hot Suppa, it was Southern influence, but I also didn't want to be pigeonholed and I kind of wanted to do whatever I wanted. And I, I really didn't want to be told what to do from a culinary aspect. I just wanted it to be... Uh, blue-collar food, and um, I think, in hindsight, I would have rather started with a, um, the identity that we have now, which is we're a southern kitchen and bar. Mm. It's a really concise little statement, and I also, I get, when I'm talking with the cooks about the food, I say, okay, so what's southern about that? How do we get that to be southern? Mm. You know, and let's, let's remember that, that what we are is special in this town. Yep.
0: And it's so important to have that, that center line established as to who you are, what your values are, what you're trying to do. So when you drift, you can come back to it yeah. and stay focused on to, you know what matters. Uh, and you've been awesome. Um, this has been a great conversation. We wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who's somebody in this industry uh, you admire, uh, who's killing it, who just has their shit together in that we could all learn from as a guest mentor on the show like you've been for us today
1: and it doesn't need to be like a celebrity no no i
0: i i want real people all right who know what they're talking about <laughs> uh
1: i have a friend that i worked with uh uh at the statler initially uh his name is brooks tanner and he's working in, in philly now uh brooks not, tanner brooks tanner yeah and uh that guy was so positive About everything, he made it fun to to, to be at work. Yeah, I think we've all worked with somebody like that, but he was a really special guy um, in in my culinary career. Awesome, who just brought positivity to the entire team. Nice. I'm I'm not like him (laughs) (laughs) in that way, Um, but
0: uh, what's he doing in Philly now?
1: uh, He's he got brought into some uh, some restaurant group and i'm sure he's just kicking ass awesome. dude. you know
0: brooks taylor look out i'm coming or tanner turner i can't uh, read my own handwriting whatever brook brooks brooks Brooks, brooks, brooks tanner. i'm coming after you man yeah. and uh let the folks at home know uh maybe if they want to come and join your team if they're listening to this and they want to come interview here or maybe just come check out some good southern cooking if they're in the new England area yeah. uh how can we connect
1: um if you're looking to work here then there's uh uh a- spot on our
0: website where you can uh, put in an application which is uh, www.hotsuppa.com yeah okay I'll have that in the show notes any social handles you want to throw at them Instagram Facebook Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook Uh, do you know the handle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: so i can just uh, link if you know. i think it's it's uh instagram is hot hot supper main i think
0: okay yeah awesome those will be in the show notes again this is episode 345 head over to restaurant dot com slash three four five i think that's the episode i lose track of these episodes i'm not gonna lie two three four six jared just told me (laughs) in the background three four six thank you jared uh we'll have a summary of today's discussion right there plus links back to everything that was discussed in today's show uh moses thank you so much thank you for taking the time to share your story to share your knowledge to be somebody who chooses to have impact who chooses to care who chooses to be at their restaurant and make a difference in their community uh there is no questioning you are unstoppable Thanks, Sarah. This has been fun. (laughs) Thank you. Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. And it was a good one. Uh, Moses, man, he has some great advice for us. And I think what stood out for me the most in today's conversation was the whole idea of just... I mean, it's how you started the conversation. It's just being a little bit better Every day, showing up a little bit better. You started this restaurant on a shoestring budget, uh, where you could, and you slowly scaled. And I loved your advice on uh, market concept or location. What's most important? The mark, the market. And uh, you, you recognized this very early on, and uh, you could have immediately gone for what you your dream was, which was that that lunch and dinner place. But you knew that in this market you would be most successful doing breakfast and you, you made that sacrifice. Um, you showed up, you busted your ass for years and then you finally scaled into your dream. And I think that's a, a, where a lot of people get in trouble. They, they have this vision of what they want. They don't consider the market and they just go uh, too big too soon. And they don't start small pivot, lean startup, adapt, grow, and just scale over time. And I think what you did, Moses, with your restaurant, Hot Suppa, you and your brother, you guys just, you recognized your market. You, you started where you could and you just showed up being a little bit better every day till you got to the point where, uh, you are now and you're just crushing it. Awesome stuff. I also love the, the advice of you can't do it alone. I mean, you got to be a really impressive individual. If you're good at everything you will need to be good at to run a successful restaurant. And the truth is you can't do it alone. Um, so when you're looking for your partner, find somebody who compliments you like the, the relationship that Moses and Alec have uh, over at hot supper, awesome stuff. And uh, man, the only other thing I, I loved and I really wanted to point out is the whole idea of organic character. I think it was a very short part of the conversation. We're talking about all these people, uh, these restaurants he visited when he was touring the country, trying to find out uh, what they wanted in, in, in their restaurant. And he said that all these restaurants had organic character. Just think about that. Just raw, natural, authentic, authentic. I can't say authentic right now. Authentic, transparent, just real character. Uh, And that, in my opinion, is the future. Restaurants of the future are going to just be really friggin' awesome and genuine. And it's going to be about the people, about the missions, about who these people are, not necessarily what they're doing, but why they're doing it, and the purpose, the missions that are driving the restaurants. And just the, the rawness and that's what people are going to be hungry for in the future is raw genuine authentic real connections uh, that's my opinion and I think you Moses and Alec are a great example of that thank you so much for coming on the show sharing your story guys uh, let me know what you thought about this audio so uh, we're going on site now uh, we're we're traveling around we're meeting restaurants showing up at their restaurants uh, the, the audio quality uh, is great but there's a lot of background noise and I'm curious what you guys think about it I, I, I thought it was alright um, but I, I want to hear what your thoughts are We're always like Moses says trying to be a little bit a little bit better every day so give me your feedback on that and um, honestly I think it adds charm uh, I, I, I loved being in there uh, and just getting that real experience and really connecting with Moses and um, uh, just, I mean I, I loved it but let me know what you think doesn't matter what I think. It's about the market, right? Moses taught us that. So uh, do connect with me, guys. Uh, Always looking to to connect. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com is the email. Eric Cacciatore on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook slash restaurantunstoppable. And guys, I'm going to three episodes a week. I'm pumped. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's going to be great, but I need your help. Shoot me an email. Who do you respect? admire in your community who's crushing it who's that restaurant tour everyone looks to and goes man this guy this gal they get it let me know who that person is i'll get them on the show we'll learn from them together um and keep those five star reviews on itunes and stitcher radio coming i want to get over 100 we're so close i think we have 96 reviews the last time i checked um all right guys that's it for today uh i love you all so much keep doing what you're doing you'll I'm unstoppable, I promise. And until next time, peace out.